0: Back to the Abnormal Christian. I am Brad Mason. I am here again with Natasha Mason.
1: Hello, my
0: wonderful wife. See, I threw it at the end of that instead of the beginning. Thanks. So we are back for another episode on the study of the Book of Acts. If you've been with us so far, congratulations—you have made it to Chapter Nine, which is, which means you basically uh, subjected yourselves to uh, quite a few episodes of the podcast to get to this this level. Of Bible study. So in this episode we're going to look at Acts chapter 9 verses 1 through 23 um, and we will pick up uh, 23 through 43 in the next podcast. Really want to look at this um, a little bit deeper than we have some of the other chapters because this is the uh, conversion of our man Saul who would later be named Paul. Um, we're coming out of chapter 8 where we had I uh, believe it was the stoning of Stephen. We came into Philip. Um, and the things that Philip did and the miracles that Philip performed, he uh, meets the eunuch near the end of chapter eight, who is requesting that he's baptized um, after Philip explains the uh, the scriptures to him, the major prophets, of minor prophets, he's reading Isaiah. So he's ex- explaining Isaiah to him. Um, and uh, and then, you know, immediately he says, hey, you know, there's some water. What's keeping me from being baptized? And so he baptizes him. And, and immediately the scripture says, when he raises up out of the water, Philip is gone. And so he's no longer around. And then he's found later to be in a different city, and uh, we discuss whether he was uh, transported, whether he ran really fast, whether he, whatever it is. Um, We just have to take that part on faith that the Lord moved him from one location to another. So we come into chapter 9, and we're kind of picking up the story of Paul, where um, chapter 8, you would have the stoning of Stephen, right? Um, So Paul is not really aware of what's going on with Philip. Uh, The Philip story is between um, Paul being there as they stoned Stephen. So the scripture says that Stephen was stoned, and they laid down their garments at the feet of uh, Saul. Uh, and he stood and watched as they killed Stephen. We talked about how Stephen wasn't raised from the dead, which is, you know, it, it's not promised to anyone that they would be raised from the dead. And he was the first Christian martyr. So coming out of that, Saul is um, is really feeling himself because he's he's got the acceptance of the Sanhedrin. Um, he's able to persecute, he's still going around Jerusalem and he's persecuting those who are Christians, uh, which means he's uh, he's enslaving them, he's putting them in chains, he's putting them in prison, he's killing them, whatever he feels like doing there. And, and this first verse we're going to look at here, go ahead in chapter 9 and we'll talk a little bit there.
1: And Saul, so, yet breathing out threatenings and slaughter against the disciples of the Lord, went unto the high priest.
0: So in verse 1 there, we see that uh, Saul is breathing out uh, threatenings, and he's having these, um, read it one more time for me there.
1: And Saul, breathing out threatenings and slaughter against the disciples of the Lord, went unto the high priest.
0: So what we have is Saul is, uh, you have to think about this, because it's really interesting. I was looking at the Greek, and it talks about this breathing out. Homer, uh, the writer Homer, who wrote in the Greek, he said that the breathing out was this... um, it's almost like this indignation, this anger and hostility. He wrote in his writings, He would, it was a phrase they used in the Greek, breathing out. And it meant being angry. And so Saul here is not just speaking... Um, harshly about what is going on, he is just furious with the christians he uh, if you think about it um, if you had someone in your family that you love dearly and someone spoke ill of them or said they were going to hurt them, you would be just it 's almost that violent uh, retribution that you see people uh, in our society. Our movies really depict it really well where somebody's done something wrong to someone next thing you know this guy's just shaking and he 's angry and he 's going to get vengeance and and
1: well, I think what I thought of when you when you were talking about breathing out was um, an old time preacher who's breath- who's. Preaching fire and brimstone. Well, and that's what this,
0: that's what the Greek here is indicating is that he was breathing heavily and rapidly, and he's angry and he's furious because he believes he serves the Most High God. And here, these people are saying that this Jesus, the Jehoshua, uh, is Messiah, and he is just not going to have this. And so, in verse one, I want everybody to get the the idea and the picture of who he really was here. He is a very uh, religious man, he is very um, ingrained in the Sanhedrin and the Pharisees. He's a chief Pharisee, and he is is really out to defend his religion and what he believes. And so in doing so, he comes to them in verse 1, and he is just angry and he's furious. So then he goes into verse 2.
1: And desired of him letters to Damascus, to the synagogues, that if he found any of this way... Whether they were men or women, he might bring them bound unto Jerusalem.
0: So he's asking, he goes to the Sanhedrin and he says, Hey, I want to go down to Damascus um, to the synagogues that are there. And if I find any who are in this way, and it's interesting, he's not saying who are uh, Christians because that was something they were later called. He's saying in this way, as in those who believe in this this Messiah. If I find any who are in that way, I want to be able to bind them up and women, men, men and women, I'm getting tongue tied. And he's wanting to get them and he's wanting to bring them back. And so so basically what you're seeing is he's um, going. he wants to go to the synagogues because he's looking for, he's not looking for Gentiles, he's looking for Jews who have believed.
1: Who have drank Correct. Kool-Aid.
0: Right. So the synagogues, when you think of, you got to think of Damascus. At this time, Damascus was a part of Syria. It was a big metropolis city. It, um, it was heavily traveled, heavily populated. Damascus um, and the city itself there was really popular in that region. And Saul was very familiar with Damascus. The synagogues, uh, we talk about those, you think of those little, churches and towns. Um, and so the synagogues were little, um, there were places that the believers would gather, but they were overseen by the this, this temple, the Sadducees and the Pharisees of the temple. So they could send someone down, uh, with a letter or they could send someone down to the smaller synagogue and they could, uh, tell what the temple desires or what they want to happen. So that's what he's saying. He's saying, give me a letter saying, I have permission to go to these synagogues and to root out these people. I want to find them and I want to get them out.
1: Verse three. And as he journeyed, he came near Damascus, and suddenly there shined round about him a light from heaven.
0: Well, that sounds really... Now, when you read it like that, with your lovely voice, it sounds really uh, docile. It really sounds like this is just, the, oh, there's a light from heaven shining around him, right? And, but, I mean, it, that's the way it's written here. And so when we look at it, we kind of assume it that way. So he's going down to Damascus. He's got his letter. He takes a few guys with him. Um, he's about the... Nobody the Bible doesn't say in the literature that is written about this says that he is a prophet Approximately somewhere between a mile or two miles away from the city of Damascus. He's getting ready to go in Damascus and he's getting ready to start his work of persecuting, rounding up these who are of the way. Um, and then this, it says this light shines around him. So go ahead and read the next one.
1: And he fell to the earth and heard a voice saying unto him, Saul, Saul, why persecutest thou me? All
0: right. So, um, in the, in most of the, um, uh, commentaries. If you read, I, I went through probably multiple commentaries today over this. Um, but the Greek here is really insinuating that the light that he saw was a violent force that was so strong that it knocked him to the ground. It was just this lie. And, and I tend to believe, and I, I can't verify this, but I tend to believe that the Lord uses natural means to, um, to make things happen. And I think what probably happened here was it was either a massive bolt of lightning or it was just some explosive glory of God because it knocks him and all the men who are with him immediately to the ground. And it is so loud and so violent and it's so sudden that it's almost this, um, I think when you read it the way that you did, because that's the way it's written, it almost comes across passive.
1: Like, ah. Right.
0: It comes across very <laughs> passive. And uh, one of the commentaries that I read, uh, I can't remember the guy's name off my head. He said, but we get these pictures. He said, you'll get a picture from a painter that Saul was on a horse and he fell off. Or that, uh, you know, there's some angels who are yelling at him or something. And he said, artists are the worst commentators on the scripture there are. And he's absolutely right. Um, Here he's walking with these men. And this loud explosion or whatever it is happens and occurs. And he falls to the ground with them. And immediately he hears a voice. And the voice says,
1: Saul, Saul, why persecutest thou me?
0: All right, read the next verse.
1: And he said, Who art thou, Lord? And the Lord said, I am Jesus, whom thou persecutest.
0: All right, so um, really interesting here. There's two different meanings in that one verse. So he says, Who art thou, Lord? The word Lord in the first instance there means sir. It's just like saying, He doesn't know who's talking to him. He's not acknowledging that the voice that he's hearing is God. Uh, So when we read it, we see that context. Oh, who who art thou, Lord? Like he's talking to the Lord. He's not. He is talking out loud to someone that he hears um, because the scripture goes on to tell us here why he has to say that. And then the next Lord that appears in the word there, it says, he says, who art thou, Lord? And then it says...
1: And the Lord said, I am Jesus right. whom thou persecutest. It is hard for thee to kick against the pricks.
0: Right. So in the one, one verse there, he says, Lord, who art thou, sir? Because he, he wants to know who's talking to him. And then Jesus says he and the Lord that is used there is meant a savior. So he's saying, I am the Lord. I am Jesus. I'm the one you're persecuting. Now, <clears throat> there's a lot of preaching in that one verse right there. Because was Saul actually per- persecuting Jesus himself physically?
1: At that point? Yes. No.
0: Who was he persecuting? Believers. Right. So Jesus is affirming here that he is one with the believers, because if you persecute them, you're persecuting me. And he has said this before. And so Saul is laying here on the ground, and this is what he's hearing. He's saying, why are you persecuting me? And then Saul responds.
1: And he, trembling and astonished, said, Lord... What wilt thou have me to do? And the Lord said unto him, Arise, and go into the city and it shall be told thee what thou must do.
0: So what we have here is Saul immediately has accepted who is talking to him, right? So Jesus has said, it's me, it's Jesus, the one you're persecuting. And he says, immediately Saul says, well, what do you want me to do? You know, And he's he's accepted who is talking to him instead of saying, and, and we'll, we'll see why this is important. Instead of him saying, no, this can't be true. I don't believe this. I don't believe in you. I don't believe who you are. I don't believe your message. I don't believe your people. He doesn't say any of that he says what do you want me to do you know I mean he's it's this immediate acknowledgement of the lordship of Christ and it's this immediate submission that Saul has to uh okay what do you want me to do and so he says to him
1: arise and go into the city and it shall be told thee what thou must do
0: correct um, so listen. So he asked him, "Why are you trying to kick against the prick?" Right? Remember that. And I'm sure <laughs> I was you're asking. Like, you're like, is what, that is that? "What is that? What does he say?" So basically, it is um, Jesus is asking him. He's and this you have to think of this as an animal stuck in a thorn bush. The more they thrash about, the more they toss about, the worse they are injured by the thorns. And so this is what he's saying to to Saul in this um, this imagery is Why are you kicking against the prick?" And what he's saying is is You can either come after me, and you can be one of mine. Or you can continue to fight against me, and all these things that you're fighting against are going to hurt you, because in the in the end, the gospel is going to win. He doesn't say all that to Saul, but in that one sentence, this and Saul is wise enough to understand exactly what is being presented to him here. Why am I like an animal kicking against the thorns? If I'm if I'm persecuting Jesus, who is talking to me, that's going to cause me a lot more harm in the future than if i give in and submit to what he desires so that's what i remember seeing that and i was like that's really going to confuse some people so that's what's talking about kicking against the prick
1: uh, verse seven. And the man which journeyed with him stood speechless, hearing a voice, but seeing no man.
0: Ooh. So now we've got the men who are with him. They, uh, they've they all fallen down. They've stood up and they're they're hearing a voice because uh, you think of uh, lightning and thunder, right? So you would hear this this explosion. Maybe it knocks them all to the ground and uh, they hear this thunder and maybe the voice is in the thunder. We don't know. Maybe it's a loud booming voice. Maybe it's a still small voice. We don't know. The scripture doesn't give us a real clear vo- picture of that, but it does say that they hear a voice but they don't understand, they don't know who's speaking. They don't understand. So the message that Saul gets is directly only to Saul. No one else really hears the message that is directed to him. I would postulate, and I would submit, because some of the uh, commentaries on this said um, maybe it was just garbled and they couldn't make out the voice. Um, In in the scripture here, we're going to learn later on in the book of Acts that God spoke to Saul in what language? In this instance, he speaks what, because Saul says it specifically. Hebrew? Yes. Very good. You remember that. So uh, later on in the book of Acts, Saul says on this day when this occurred, that God spoke to him in Hebrew. So it's very possible that the men who were with him, maybe they didn't understand Hebrew. Maybe they understood Greek because that's what a lot of them were. Um, and maybe they didn't really know what was going on. Maybe they heard a voice, but they weren't able to understand the language that was being spoken and Saul understood it himself, or maybe it was just a muffled voice and they couldn't hear it. But here they say they hear something, but they cannot understand what is being spoken. Um, and you can go to Acts 22, nine, and you'll find this kind of story that's going on.
1: And Saul arose from the earth. And when his eyes were opened, he saw no man they led him by the hand and brought him into Damascus all
0: right so here we go again he is uh you got to think about and this is why I think you have to get the this is why we have to get the idea that this instance that occurred was not a glorious event it wasn't the angels in light bright light talking to it was an explosive it was a uh, it's almost like you know Jesus th- slamming his hand down and saying why Smacking are you wrong? Right? it's this explosive moment that is so powerful and so strong now r- what we read here is he just stood up and and then he opened his eyes, right?
1: And, and Saul arose from the earth, and when his eyes were opened, he saw no man. So
0: this whole time he's laying on the ground and his eyes are closed. Why would you keep your eyes closed when you're laying on the ground?
1: You're scared.
0: You're terrified. You're at, This is why he had to say who was speaking, sir, because he couldn't see him. He didn't want to look. He had this explosive moment happen to him.
1: Well, it could be an explosion because, you know, when you have an explosion, you lose your hearing. Yes. And you can't, you know, you're disoriented.
0: Absolutely. And the men who are with him may not have been able to understand just because their hearing was, was impaired or impacted from a massive, could be, I, I it. Kind of like it. wave.
1: shockwave. Correct.
0: I think it's either the lightning or the Lord stomped his foot, one of the two. And whatever it was, it threw Saul down and it terrified him so deeply that he laid on the ground with his eyes closed, probably clenched up, just afraid. Because, you know, uh, we were out in our, uh, this is a sidebar, but we were out in our yard the other day. And some of our neighbors uh, apparently got guns for one of the holidays and so they're out here shooting or whatever and there was this ma- very
1: excited there was it. this
0: massive explosion and I don't know what it was but immediately it made me jerk I was like what in the world was that? Yeah,
1: I mean it, it was not a gun. It was, no,
0: it was I don't know what it A was. A bomb of some sort. Right. But it's that same kind of idea that this this loud booming happens and it just terrified him to his core. And he lays on the ground and he's got his eyes closed and he's hearing this voice and he's not looking. He's saying,
1: Who was talking to me, sir? Who is that? And then it says they led him by the hand and yes. brought him into Damascus. So
0: he, this—he opened his eyes and he was blind and he was unable to see. So the men take him by the hand and they lead him into Damascus because that's where they were going. To, they continued on their journey as they uh, had been told to do so.
1: And he was three days without sight, and neither did eat nor drink.
0: All right. So this is really important. Uh, we know the numbers, numerology, and the scripture has a, makes a big difference. But uh, I want you to think of, uh, you just heard a voice from God. You just confirmed that it is Jesus talking to you. You just confirmed that the Messiah is real. You're blind. You're cut off from the sense of being able to see what's going on around you, which is disorienting if you've never been there. And for three days, you're this way. And it says here that he doesn't eat. He doesn't drink. I don't think he slept. I mean, he's just in this. This is a time of anguish for Saul because he's anguishing over water. What he's already done. He's already killed Christians. He's already persecuted people. And now he is faced with the reality of his own sins. And he's sitting in this darkness and he's not eating. And when you see people not eating like that, and it's not a fast, it is this mental anguish that they're in because they realize that they are. Com- and, and at this moment, Saul is sitting here realizing he is undone before God Almighty. He has persecuted the Son of God. He has, you know, uh, I think he really struggled. These three days had to be miserable. And
1: God is upset.
0: Yes. <laughs> and so he's gone into, so they took him into Damascus, basically. Um, go ahead to the next verse.
1: And there was a certain disciple at Damascus named Ananias. And to him said the Lord in a vision, Ananias. And he said, behold, I am here, Lord. And the Lord said unto him, arise and go into the street, which is called Straight.
0: All right, so I'll explain that real quick. So he's in Damascus, and Damascus is uh, is a a huge city. In Damascus, there was a street that ran from the uh, east to west, west to east, and it was three miles long, and it was straight. So when he's saying go to the straight road, he he knew, Ananias knew what road he was talking about. You get on the straight road, and you're going to go down. So there was a man, and the scripture will say here in a second, there's a man who has a house near the, I believe, the western end of this town.
1: And the Lord said unto him, Arise, and go into the street which is called Straight, and inquire in the house of Judas for one called Saul of Tarsus. For behold, he prayeth, and hath seen in a vision a man named Ananias coming in, and putting his hand on him, that he might receive his sight. Then Ananias answered, Lord, I have heard by many of this man how much evil he hath done to thy saints at Jerusalem. And he... Here he hath authority from the chief priest to bind all that call on thy name, but the Lord said unto him, "Go thy way, and f- for he is a chosen vessel unto me all
0: right so this is interesting. the Lord's given a vision to a man here, Ananias in the city of Damascus. Uh, it is believed that Ananias was the uh, head of the church of damascus um he was uh, it was one of the first churches to be established in the region um, it lasted until seven hundred to eight hundred. Uh, current era, um, and it was turned over to the Muslims, uh, uh They set up a thing there. But anyway, so Ananias is in his vision here, and the Lord's telling him this is really cool. The Lord's telling him go down here, and you're gonna you're gonna cease talk to this man Saul, who's having a vision about you coming. And uh, it's interesting because Ananias is like Lord, uh, like he's telling God something he doesn't know.
1: Bruh, are you sure?
0: You sure? And, and the Lord <laughs> immediately says he doesn't he doesn't want to hear it. He doesn't dispute him. He doesn't argue with him. He says, go your way. <laughs> He just, it's almost like you be quiet now. We've had enough of that. You're going to do what you're told. And what does Ananias do?
1: Uh, But the Lord said unto him, go thy way, for he is a chosen vessel unto me to bear my name before the Gentiles and kings and the children of Israel, for I will show him how great things he must suffer for my name's sake.
0: Right here, that verse right there, verse 16, right? Mm -hmm. Everybody needs to mark that in their Bible if you got your Bible open. If you don't, open it up and mark that. That is the truth of Christianity. That right there is the very core value you need to understand as a believer, this is us. Saul had to understand the things he was going to suffer for the cause of Christ and he says it right here to Ananias and every Christian who comes along needs to understand this, believing in this gospel, believing in this God, believing in this Jesus, believing in this Yeshua, it is not going to be easy. At times, it's going to be very trying. At times, your family is not going to listen to you. At times, the world is going to condemn you. At times, you're going to be told you're wrong. And Saul and the disciples and a lot of the apostles, they understood that. They understood that there was a heavy price that had to be paid for following after Christ. So this is verse 16, the truth of Christianity.
1: You want me to read it again? Yes, if you would. For I will show him how great things he must suffer for my name's sake. And Ananias went his way, and entered into the house, and putting his hands on him, said, Brother Saul, the Lord, even Jesus, that appeared unto thee in the way as thou thou camest, he has sent me that thou mightest receive thy sight and be filled with the Holy Ghost.
0: All right, so he, he Ananias comes in. This is really interesting too, really cool. So the Lord's told him he's gonna use Saul. He argues with God a little bit. God says, go on your way, stop talking, let's make this happen. So he goes down there and immediately, instead of being afraid of who he saw, the man that was there, because he knew who Saul was, he knew the persecution that he did, he addresses him as family. He says, oh, Brother Saul, and he calls him a brother because he realizes that God has chosen him. There's really nothing Saul can do about it. Saul is blind at this point, and Saul, you know, he's just sitting there waiting on this man, Ananias, to show up.
1: And immediately there fell from his eyes as it had been scales, and he received sight forthwith and arose and was baptized.
0: So, here he is immediately. He's been in this anguish for three days and we, and I tend to believe it is this I, uh, it's, it's, I believe it relates back to the burial of Christ. I believe it, it re- relates back to the anguish of darkness. At this point in, in Saul's life this is probably, and uh, people might not like the term, but it, it's kind of a living hell on earth because he's in darkness he's, he's hungry, he is lamenting over his sin and the things he's done to the body of Christ. The very, this is isn't even just a secondhand persecution. This is the man who was responsible to hold the believers accountable to the high priest and the temple. He was the executioner of people. And here he is living with this anguish. And then God sends a man and immediately when he's opened his eyes, the first thing he wants to do.
1: Let's go down to the water. Let's
0: go down to the water and get baptized. What would this mean? So what does this mean to all the people who knew Saul? We're getting ready to see that. Go ahead.
1: And when he had received meat, he was strengthened. Then was Saul certain days with the disciples which were at Damascus. And straightway he preached Christ in the synagogue that he is the Son of God.
0: So wait a minute now. So this guy is out here persecuting Christians, and now he's baptized. And immediately, immediately he goes to the synagogue where he was going to go to begin with, except this time he comes in with the message that Jesus is the living Son of God.
1: But all that heard him were amazed and said... Is not this he that destroyed them which called on the name in Jerusalem and came hither for that that intent that he might bring them bound unto the chief priests?
0: So in this verse we have a it, it, this is their amazement. We know this is Saul. He was he was the guy persecuting these people. It's interesting here there's even a slight in the scripture. They would not even say the name of Jesus. They said, Is he not the one who persecuted them? Read it one more time there.
1: But all that heard him were amazed and said, "...is not this he that destroyed them which called on this name in Jerusalem."
0: Which called on this name in Jerusalem. They wouldn't even say the name. Yahashua, which was the name of Jesus, was the Hebrew name. But they wouldn't even say it. They were so offended by it. And here Saul is preaching to them, and uh, they're getting angry because wasn't this the guy who was doing the work and doing, you know, supposed to clear these people out?
1: But Saul increased the more in strength and confounded the Jews which dwelt at Damascus. Proving that this is very Christ. And after that many days were fulfilled. The Jews took counsel to kill him.
0: All right, so we'll stop right there. This is the verse 23. So, and this is why we wanted to stop here is because uh, there's so much in that, in that first 23 verses of what happened in that story. And uh, there's so many more commentaries and information that goes along with this that I just couldn't get it all in one episode. Um, but it's interesting. So here they're angry with Saul because he's preaching this message. Verse 23 that you read there, if you read that one more time.
1: And after that, many days were fulfilled.
0: All right. So stop right there. So I'm sorry. After that, many days are fulfilled. So this, you have to understand this This chapter actually breaks up into two parts. So here at verse 23, Saul is going to go to the Galatians, and he is going to be gone for almost three years. So from verse 23 to verse 24, Saul has gone on to preach the gospel under the name Saul for about three years before they actually take the uh, the chance to try and kill him. So when you read this this passage of scripture, it almost sounds like he went in and preached in the synagogue. Well, now they're angry and they want to kill him. And that's really not, there was a big gap there. And when Luke wrote this, he, I don't want to say he skipped over what happened because the book of Galatians is written. You can go read what what happened in Galatians, uh, Galatia. I'm sorry. So, uh, but anyway, so Luke just continues on with the pickup story of when Saul comes back from his ministry and from his witnessing how the people felt about him. Because after two or three years of preaching that Jesus, Yeshua, is uh, the Messiah, the Son of God, the Jews were really in since. They were tired of this. This guy has been the one guy who was supposed to be our protector, who was supposed to protect the religion, and now he's out here with the rest of them. What happened? So we're going to end there on that note. So come back next week and we'll pick up with verse 23 and we'll try to go down to verse 43, hopefully in the second half. But I really want, uh, the, the main thing is I want this scripture to be alive to us. I want this story to be alive to us because when you start digging in and you start reading and you start uh, looking at words and um, the context and the, the subject and the, the the history that, that goes along with this. It really paints a bigger picture for you because, you know, I mean, I thought Saul from when I was a kid, I thought Saul, well, at this point he just flips over to Paul. I didn't realize he preached for three years under the name of Saul and that his name doesn't change until later. Um, so there's some really interesting things there. Um, I hope you're really enjoying this. If you got notes on it, that'd be great. Go back in the scripture, read this first half so you'll be caught up with us next time. We will catch you next week as we continue on in the study of Acts chapter 9 here.
1: And uh, we hope the Lord blesses you. Bye.